Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an educational and entertaining exploration of all things erotic. From sacred sexuality to fetishes, power exchange relationships and leather life, BDSM to polyamory, as well as simply fun kink. Each week, we bring you a diverse offering of erotic life in its many forms. This podcast includes frank discussions of highly sexual topics. If you are offended by this type of content or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hello, fellow adventurers of sexuality and spirit, and welcome to Erotic Awakening with Lee Harrington. Here we are in July, and as promised, we are going to be talking about the notion of consent, some of the challenges we have around consent and things like that, but we have a bit of a surprise this time, as they're giving themselves away already. I have with me in the studio, which I'm actually in a studio this time, instead of at home with my little traveling Yeti mic, uh, I'm here with three fantastic individuals. The first is a sexuality author and educator who has spoken from San Francisco to Stockholm, Sweden, is a coalition partner for the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom, a theater performance artist of quite delicious renown, and International Ms. Leather 2010, and an all-around badass human, Yay! Melina. Yay! Yay! <laughs> and the other two people you could hear in the background there are a pair of individuals whose passion for BDSM, kink, sacred sexuality and relationship authenticity is well known to many of you here on the podcast. They're the authors of Living MS, Dan and Dawn. Yay! And this is so exciting because I've been I've been on your podcast before, which is technically this podcast, but it's different when I'm on top. <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. Twice in one week I've been bottoming. I don't know. It's a new trend. Yes, mm. yes it is, indeed. And it's it's kind of fun to have us all here in Ohio together, since usually, you know, I'm far flung in either Arizona or New York or recording from Wisconsin or Canada or wherever I'm recording from that given day. Not like Canada is the same time as in Wisconsin. Like there's parts of Canada. But... Uh, <laughs> But yeah, it's kind of fun to have you guys here on my podcast. So thank you for joining me. Nice to be here. And Melina is joining (laughs) us here in Ohio because she and I are in the midst of this crazy, mad, beautiful project for Greenery Press. It's going to be fantastic. It is on uh, the kink community and understanding how to navigate it and negotiate yourself within it and hopefully not piss off too many people or, you know, your (laughs) spouse or any of that kind of stuff. (laughs) And so we're, we've actually been holed up for the last week here in Ohio uh, at Dan and Don's place while you guys were out gallivanting around the world. Uh, it seems like it. <laughs> Lots of driving. Lots of driving. Mm-hmm. So Canada, Canada to West Virginia. Any particular part of Canada or just like the entirety uh, of Canada? No, no. Uh, what was that? North of north Toronto? Of, yeah, north so of Toronto, Ontario. Ontario. Yes. Nice. Nice. And then down to West Virginia for Camp Out. Right. So. Fantastic event, which we'll talk about soon on our own podcast. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. So lots of camping, lots of driving. Yeah, and, and we've had some of our own camping experiences ourselves. Both Melina and I were at uh, Dark Odyssey Fusion Yay. Oh. a few weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. No, Fusion was a great event. That was my second camping kink event in 15 plus years. Wow. I've, 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 I've avoided them because I grew up in Manhattan. I trust cement. <laughs> <laughs> And I appreciate edifices, you know, so the idea of being away from that was, you know, a little bit um, terrifying, but uh, I did well, despite mold, bed bugs, bees, ants, 
coming at me. I actually had to kill a fire ant in the middle of my class with a handful of lube packets. That was <laughs> that was spectacular. And people were sad I didn't like deploy the lube. Like I'm gonna stand there with you know the lube packet going, oh my god, rip, squirt, and drown the ant slowly. I actually suddenly chose having a quicker death. visions of Snoop Dogg and his army of gummy bears in the Katy Perry video. Don't for... ever talk about that again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought we had an agreement. <laughs> That would never leave the hotel room, Jabari Khan. (laughs) It's a beautiful, beautiful world. So yeah, for you guys listening at home, it's been this random, beautiful mashup that's brought all of us here in one place together. And I, about a month and a half ago, did an interview with um, the consensualproject.com. Ben, who works there, got a hold of me to talk about you know, alternative relationships and their place in the notion and the conversation of consent, because he's been having that conversation predominantly talking from a place of uh, consent in sexual encounters, consent in our political standpoints, uh, and understanding um, consent from a place of not just how do we say no when we're uncomfortable, but how do we say yes Mm. to the things we really desire and want in this world. Mm -hmm. And that, his enthusiasm, I mean, this guy is just, if you get a chance to go to theconsensualproject.com, this guy is just super inspired and passionate about the notion of consent. And he and I nerded out for hours. I'm hoping to bring him on (laughs) as well at some point. And we nerded out for hours, and it was really inspirational to see someone outside of the BDSM, kink, polyamory, swinger, alt-sex communities to be really exploring this notion of consent in a broader context. And so being really jazzed up by him, I wanted to bring that conversation here and talk with, you know, talk with, you know, share my own thoughts, but also talk with you guys about the notion of where consent and the notion specifically of yes plays in with our world of sex and with our world at large. So I'm curious, I'll start with you because you know, your face kind of did some, ooh. You know, faces, which is great, Melina. Um, Mostly so. because I haven't, I haven't thought about spinning it that way. We talk so much about saying no. Yes, um, that's and true. About, about consent in terms of how do you stop something that you don't want from happening. Uh, I am very intrigued by the idea of fostering a communication around when you do give consent. Because I will say, I think frequently, giving consent and saying yes is often misconstrued by other people. And missed. Mm. There are so many times when we say yes to things that we think are very are very blatant and flagrant. Like, oh yes, please flirt with me. Oh yes, please touch me there. And the other person just sort of misses the cue, and then we miss the chance for very intense connections because our yeses are muted because of fear or because of uh, uh, a breakdown in communication skills. So I'm very intrigued by that idea. And I'm also think it's interesting that because I've also seen a lot of stuff where people will say yes at one time and then people won't get the message for another 15 to 20 minutes, but by then that window has passed mm-hmm. where <laughs> the enthusiastic yes is no longer there. Now it's more like a, well, maybe if you finally get around to it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true because I know that there have been times when I have, you know, worked up the courage to finally like, you know, make a pass at someone or to offer myself and then if they don't come back with, oh my God, yes, then I think, okay, well, they don't want me. And then my spectacular defense mechanism, which involves, you know, uh, me withdrawing any desire for them at all so that it minimizes my disappointment. Like, well, I don't really want to play with them anyway. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> you know, and 10 minutes later, if they were like, oh, no, really? I'm like, no, no, no. I, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't think I said yes. I don't think I asked you out. <laughs> Don, you were nodding your head there a little bit, Don. So, yeah, because it's, I'm just trying to relate it back to the, the last couple of weekends we've had at events, mm-hmm. you know? 
And what I find and something I figured out about myself is I had someone really hardcore flirting with me over the last couple of days, but it almost felt like they were, they felt entitled to mm-hmm. something. So my defense, the defense mechanisms right. is what I was nodding to. Oh, mine go way up really fast mm-hmm. if someone's feeling entitled. But if I'm like interested in somebody else, it's very hard for me to say, yeah, come on, come on. You know, I'm yeah. giving you this opportunity. So it's very hard for me to be vocal about how I'm giving you this opportunity, which would totally turn me on. And in the BDSM world, in the kinky sex world specifically, we get, I think there's an obsession with the notion of verbal consent. Like I have to have this Mm -hmm. either verbally or written down on a piece of paper, signed with an affidavit with, you know, (laughs) a notary public that, you know, there to stamp it and approve that I actually got this thing. But I think that there's other ways that we get consent that Mm -hmm. aren't necessarily as explicit, but whether it might be body language or, you know, you're talking about flirtation, that there's lots of different ways that right. we put kind of that information out there in the world. Mm-hmm. It's a, I think it's a slippery slope sometimes when it's not explicit. Right. But I think there, there's something there about that notion of, of giving consent in multiple different ways. Mm-hmm. So, so I actually had someone come up to me, you know, yesterday, the day before yesterday, I got my days all mixed up. And she was like, no, I really am flirting with you. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. <laughs> Just in like, case you missed oh, it. Oh, I did miss it. Great. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> what a gift. Yeah. That's such a gift to have somebody come up and say like, okay, so by the way, I might have been subtle. Right. So here's the <laughs> non-subtle option. Right. Though there's the flip side that I've had happen. I was uh, emceeing the Dirty Pig Leather Contest at mm-hmm. uh, Dark Odyssey last summer. And... I had a, they had these things where we had, you had to draw a question and, you know, the different contestants, it was, you know, a title kind of thing. And, and they, the questions got asked of like, you know, what were your dirty pig moments or what did you love? And, and this guy got a question of what's the dirtiest pig moment that you, you know, you never took in your life. What, what's your one, you know, regret of your dirty pig moment never embraced. And he looked at me and said, I've, you know, I never got to actually make out with Bridget. And Bridget, for people who don't know, was, you know, was my name before my gender transition. And what do you do when you're in front of 400 people at the front of an audience going, well, uh, you're shit out of luck there because that doesn't exist anymore. And uh, sorry about that. Because mm-hmm. it's like he, he was trying to do that, that same kind of thing. of like, I, I'm, I'm finally getting up the courage to say I'm really interested in you. And I never said it from six years ago. Right. But at the same time, it's like, but I didn't consent to the experience of having that emotion brought up for me. So mm-hmm. sometimes I, I think that how it all, like one person's desires, another person's desires, another person's emotional experience, how it affects somebody else, they can all mash together in a really fascinating way. It's interesting. So yeah. had a great time thinking about it. Everybody's writing their head around. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I did a lot of journaling this weekend about that stuff, actually. So... <laughs> And just so I'm going to muddy the waters up a little Please bit more. Please do. Um, <laughs> so Don and I are in a power exchange master-slave relationship. So when someone is flirting with me, I ask, do you identify, are you owned? Are you property? And I had someone respond, why, yes, I am owned by so-and-so. And they continued to this hard, hardcore flirting with me. It puts me in a very awkward position. Because now you've, you've said, here's my protocol, and I'm breaking it over and over again. Oh, oh so, so so specifically, she was not allowed to flirt with because it sounds yes. to me just from the way it said it. She's like, "Oh, that's my that's my master. I'll continue to flirt because yeah, and my, that that might be fine for a no, lot." She of said, slaves. "That's no, my no. master, and I will negotiate with him before I do any of this with you." And then didn't. But then we're oh. in situations where we happen to both be naked. Coincidentally, I'm sure, but where she was just kind of <laughs> very close, stroking me, that kind of stuff, and. It's like, you just told me this is not allowable. 
and you've put me in a bad position where my consent levels are like, wait a minute, you, you've told me what your consent is and now you're breaking it. And that, so here, let's, let's further muddy the waters. And I think there's a, no, there's a couple of different issues at play there beyond consent, which is respect mm-hmm. and trust. So the respect for herself of like, okay, these are my, these are my, this is what my limits are. This is what I've stated my limits are. This is what I've said, you know, said and this is what I've told the world and myself that my limits are and what, where my lines of consent are. And yet I'm blatantly trouncing all over them. Where's the respect for herself? Where's the respect for the relationship? Where's the respect for you? Mm-hmm. Right? Where's her respect for you in that situation? Yeah, I think the other thing is that, that not that everyone is responsible for everyone else in the, in the community. Mm-hmm. I do not want to make that point. I do want to make the point that if slave A does that and you know dominant b says oh well she said this but she did this other thing that's okay and next time another slave approaches them you know and, and is weird and wonky about boundaries and maybe the same thing happens by the third time when the person has made a strong statement and the dominant or master says oh well the last two times yeah it was cool and then the, the, the new person's like, well, that's not cool. I just made this. And like, well, everyone else before you has been okay with it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that happens quite a bit, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that, I think that as, a, as, a, as a group, training ourselves and each other to actually respect our own boundaries and to adhere to them is, is something we need to work on. I mean, I need, to, I need to work on that myself, I know. I'm not perfect when it comes to maintaining my boundaries by any stretch. I don't think it's just a, a submissive issue either. I, I, I see a lot of people not like not respect their own boundaries, mm-hmm. whatever those might be, whether they're around gender, whether they're as topping, bottoming. The number of times I, over the years, have been lovingly browbeaten, as I refer to it myself, <laughs> into doing scenes or topping things that I wasn't actually game for that I didn't have the energy for. Right. But eventually the puppy eyes kind of like sneaked up, snuck up on me and I'm just like, <laughs> don't you love me won't you do this for me mm-hmm. yeah I, I think at least for myself i think part of it's a, a linguistical challenge within the various alternative sexuality populations around things like safe hoarding we're supposed to stop when it's gone too far you know you were just right. bringing that up earlier was that and instead of having happy words like how, how do we say i'm really good at this level let's do more of this right here mm-hmm. we don't know, need to go any further this is really excellent i actually did that in a scene up in canada mm. he was trying to do the number count thing with me and i did you know six seven and you know like that well i guess he was trying to get to 10 because he's how's he's like how's this i'm like this is eight and this is really good let's just stay here we don't need to go any nice. higher because i didn't want to safe word out i wanted to stay there for a little right. bit longer but he had bought me in an auction mm-hmm. so you know we didn't really know each other but so i had to give him that verbal communication sure. or we would have yellowed out and been done so, but I actually did that. I was proud of myself. <laughs> That's yummy. I really, really enjoy that. So, yeah, and it made it a little more pleasant, you know, yeah. and where he didn't know me, that kind of gave him some boundaries to work with, too. And I think even with our own partners, even with people that we've been exploring with for a period of time, I know there's mm-hmm. times where, yeah, my body could do that six months ago. But today, no, really, can you not shove that through that? Because that's unpleasant. <laughs> It was a really great idea six months ago, but my body can't do that right now. My mood can't do that right now. My spirit can't do that right now. My capacity is not where it was. And I, at least for myself, I've had times where if people try to take me to the level that I used to be able to do, I have mm-hmm. egoic self-doubt issues around, well, maybe I'm not as good as I used to be. Mm. You know, maybe I'm not holding up to what I used to have the capacity to do. 
Yeah, it's funny when you're talking about the, the safe words, the linguistics, mm -hmm. the different groups. We, when we talk alternative, we're not talking BDSM. Right. We're talking alternative sexuality. Exactly. Right? So the language in a swing club mm -hmm. is a completely different language. Mm -hmm. And no means no across the board, sure. But when I go into a swing club, if me and Dawn are playing on the, not that Dawn and I go to swing clubs, I'll tell you what we do. And if we're playing in the <laughs> not what we do, what we do, not that not that we would go to a swing club. But we we are at a swing club that we don't go to, but we're there. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a quick side note, when I go to a swing club, if I tie Dawn up, everybody looks at me like, "Whoa, that's amazing, man!" Oh yeah, it's called a single column tie. I studied in Tibet seven years for that. And at BDSM event, it's like, hey, it's so cute with his bondage. <laughs> Back to what we were talking about. But again, if I go to a swing club and Dawn and I are playing in, in a common area mm -hmm. and she's in some level of undress it's not uncommon for someone to come up and just start rubbing on her and want to be involved and there I can say no this is private play and they're like well okay but in the same situation if it was a BDSM event someone would make some kind of contact before they joined your scene chances are they'll never walk into hopefully they'll never walk into the middle of the scene but if they did they're going to make some kind of contact beforehand it's shocking right. and unusual yeah. when yeah. someone does breach that boundary right it is right. so and what i try, what i try to explain with that is is that in both environments no means no right in the bdsm kink environment it's assumed no until you ask and are given a yes in the swing environment it's assumed yes until you say no it's still no means no but the first original assumption is a little different off the bat. Right. Though I, I would also, from my experience, both in the swinger community and in the bathhouse mm -hmm. community, mm -hmm. is, uh, is that it's not necessarily just that assumed yes, but it's a lot more body language dependent. I find that people with, in, the, in the autism spectrum have a much harder time in the sexuality communities as compared to the kinky sex communities. Like the, I, I find that for friends of mine that have you know, Asperger's who are Aspies and whatnot, that in the bondage world where they can negotiate everything out with a 17-page <laughs> checklist and sign it all mm -hmm. with blood at the bottom of it and understand how to repeat it time after time, it's because you've got it all on the table. We negotiate it all ahead of time. We set it all down. We then do it. We then debrief the whole thing. While in, in my experience in the swinger spaces um, as a woman was that people would brush against my knee. And mm -hmm. if I didn't move back, they'd then maybe have their hands start to go over onto my knee. Mm -hmm. Like their knee would brush my knee and then they would have the, their, you know, their hand touch my knee. And if I leaned in, that would be an active an invite for it to actively move up my thigh. Oh. If I stayed perfectly still, they would stay at that level fondling my knee. Hmm. Uh, that if seems I, very sophisticated. It was. It was very exciting. Um, <laughs> and, and I figured it out through guess and check. Right, because there wasn't anybody except for a couple of times. I'm just like, it was really cool. This guy just came and he started fondling my knee, and a friend of mine said, "Well, were you like flirting with him?" And I'm like, "No, not really." He's like, "Well, but you were a hot chick with big tits," and I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "So, were you flirting with him by just kind of sitting there looking alone?" And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> but it was, but it was, it was kind of the truth. And the same thing with bathhouse <laughs> stuff, where. It, actually, and I've had friends of mine get really jarred entering gay men's sex spaces for the first time from the kink community, especially by guys who are used to the heterosexual world and then coming into their, their men-on-men men kind of stuff, where in the men's community, if you see somebody's eyes, you, you see them, it lingers for more than two seconds, look away, and then you look back, that's cruising. I've not only looked at you once, I have now looked oh. at you twice. I have restated my interest. And that is me basically throwing my lure out and see if it catches you. Ooh. And then reel someone in. And if they're not interested after that second look, they can go in a different direction and be like, I'm not really interested. But a lot of it's based at bathhouses on that second or third glance. 
Mm. Or on somebody behind you, putting a hand on your shoulder or a hand on your hip. And same kind of thing. If you push back against them, that's an active invite. If you don't push back against them at all, that's a, I'll stay exactly where it is. If you move away, that's a, well, I guess I'm okay with you watching me while I would go have sex with some other guy, but please don't touch me again. Mm-hmm. That's and a lot of body language. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And so that notion of consent within those kinds of frameworks, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really complicated. And I think that that's where the lines blur and become difficult. Mm-hmm. You know, when I talk about negotiation, in my classes, one of the examples I cite specifically is the first time I had an encounter with someone that was explicitly, deliberately kinky in an aggressive sort of way, where there was no negotiation. Right. And I did not know this guy. We'd spent maybe a day together. And then suddenly I'm like pushed up against a wall with like a knee in my cunt and I'm getting choked and I have a belt around my neck and I'm getting beaten. And I'm the whole time I'm thinking, okay, these are the hallmarks of a sexual assault, but I'm really turned on. <laughs> so let's just ride this one out. Let's just see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? And when I talked to him later, I said, now, at no point did I say this was okay for you to do. What the fuck did you think you were doing? And he said, well, you didn't stop me. Mm. And he said, and it was it was easy for me to tell from the way you reacted that you were there, mm. you know. And I said, wow, that's really risky. I said, have you ever had a woman push back or stop? And he thought about it. And he said, yeah, once. And I was like, wow, you must. Uh, he says, no, I'm very good at selecting and seeing who wants what I have to offer. And it's interesting because on the one hand, that sounds really hot and sexy. On the other hand, extremely problematic. Yeah. And very dangerous and very risky for, you know, and I think personally the greatest risk first and foremost is to the aggressor, to the person putting themselves out there. Because at any point, you are now very vulnerable. You're in an extremely vulnerable situation, you know. So I want to compare and contrast that with getting the consent, which is a safer way Mm -hmm. to approach those sorts of things, but not to negate the power of that body language and that nonverbal consent. You know, though body language and bodies saying yes and minds saying yes are very different things. Mm-hmm. In the in the mm-hmm. spiritual tradition that I work with a lot, um, there's the notion that we have three different selves. We have our body experience, mm-hmm. our skin suit, what you know, the the hungers that we have of the flesh. We have our intellectual self, and we have our energetic self. Mm-hmm. And the three of them all work together to create that thing called us, kind right. of create called I am, whatever it is. And um, my first sexual experience. Uh, other than with myself when I was a little kid, um, was when I was 12 years old and I was sexually assaulted by somebody that I knew from high school. Mm. And, uh, cause I was that kid. I was, you know, 12 years old in high school. And, uh, anyway, uh, and it was really challenging that I had my first full orgasmic experience, like squirting and all in the midst of being raped. My body was all into it. Right. My brain and my spirit were not. Right. Right. And that, you know, so that notion of, you know, can it legally mess up the aggressor? Absolutely. But did it psychologically mess up, the, you know, me as the person who was assaulted? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because my body was saying, like my body, even though I was fighting and screaming and trying to get away, my body was squirting all over the place. So he was reading it as a, oh, they're not mm-hmm. into it, but I'm going to push them anyway. And I've talked to him since then. And he was like, I felt really, really horrible about it, but you were, also weren't you were fighting away, but you weren't, your body was still saying yes at the same time. Yeah. That's them using excuses. Sorry. Oh no. And he and I actually, terribly creepy. Yeah, yeah. He and I have actually had some really intense conversations, you know, 12, right. you know, 12 plus years after the mark. Um, cause he and I reconnected after I started my gender transition. And the hilarity of the story is that, uh, in the midst of everything of us, you know, having this really deep, you know, debrief post, you know, reconnecting and re-seeing each other for the first time at a kinky sex club. Mm hmm. 
having not seen each other since I was, you know, an early teen, uh, not quite teen technically. Uh, he, uh, we, we, I saw each other and we, I talked to him for a little bit and he's, you know, was game for having a long conversation and he finally bursts out laughing. He's like, I'm really sorry to laugh, but can we just double check something? I'm like, yeah. He's like, so you're a guy now? I'm like, mm. yeah. And he's like, so I've never had sex with a chick? And this was funny because the reason that he had sexually assaulted me was to prove to his Mormon mother that he, in fact, wasn't gay. Mm. So it's one of those, you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just. Uh, yeah, exactly. The, the ugly flip side of the ugliness of corrective rape. Yes. Ugh. What the fuck? Yeah. Okay, yeah. My bra- I need 10 minutes. My brain just shut yeah, down. I, I need to reboot. Yeah. Oh, no. But it is, it is something to consider with that notion of, of consent. That Oh, yeah, body language consent. That's such a oh, great way to work with it. No. But no. Well, see, and we've got a story, too, where we took um, a girl up to our hotel room. We had just done a sensual spanking thing mm-hmm. um, Atlanta. Oh, okay. So, and um, we had done that. She seemed interested in it. We negotiated with her master who mm-hmm. let her go up to the room with us, you know. We negotiated every, negotiated everything up front. No sex, no nothing. It is just going to be this. You know, everything is laid out. I'm up at her head as Dan's spanking her and it's all hot and it's all sexy and she's getting all wet and she whispers to me. She goes, I know I said no sex, but I really want to. How can I add that in now? And I'm like, sorry, sweetie, you can't. You negotiated mm-hmm. no sex. And now that your body is saying yes, that's unconsensual for us. Yep. We, we can't cross that line. The next time we play, make sure you say yes to sex up mm. front. Right. I'm like, but now that you're, it, it's kind of like being on a drug. Once we've manipulated your body that much, which is what we're doing, you're on a drug and, and can't consent. Well, it's not even kind of. It is. Yeah. You're high. Yeah. Right. You are high. And we can't change. Because you can. That's what we're doing. We're manipulating people's bodies. When mm-hmm. it comes to BDSM and stuff like that, that's why I have a hard time topping sometimes. Even though I know it's hot for them and they want it, I can't get past the whole manipulation of the body thing. Mm. That's just me. I love having it done to me. Yeah. Oh, you're see, shaking your head no. No, no. I'm just thinking from a top perspective, uh-huh. it's, I don't consider it. Although it quite is, I will not discredit that it is manipulating the body. I think of it as playing a bi- playing an instrument, uh, okay, right? and getting good. the best response I can from that instrument, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And in the example that you used, yeah, I was hot too. I know, but again, it's like you say. But at the negotiation part, for example, you know, I mean, if um, Linda Lou said, "Oh, Dan, I think you're really hot. I'd love to do a sensual spanking scene with you." That's what we're now. I will, I will consent to a sensual spanking scene, right? Right. If she tells me that, you know, and we've, I've had this happen, mm-hmm. we get started and they're like, oh, I meant, you know, and fucking and sucking too. You know, now I've got to go back. Sure, my body's ready to go, but I got to go back and say, wait a minute, I'm not, I don't know if I'm comfortable fucking. And to be honest, and no, I hope none of the podcast listeners listen, <laughs> I'm not comfortable fucking strangers. That's right. why I suck at swinging. You know, it's just, it's unfortunate. <laughs> And it'll, they'll kick me out of the men's club. But really, I... Where are all the slutty men? Where have I they gone? I tell you. I... Where have all the He's slutty men? He's slutty. I think it's interesting but... because you, you do have to maintain a degree of, of autonomy when it comes to saying yes. Mm. And autonomy when it comes to saying no. Because you cannot necessarily trust everyone. 
right. to the same degree in the same way that you don't feel comfortable screwing someone you don't know. That's probably a good thing, you know. I had a situation where someone I said no to violated my consent by inserting their penis into me without protection. And this was after we had been playing for a day. We had been basically spent the whole we spent the whole day together. I was doing some service stuff. There was a lot of, you know, DS stuff that had been kicked in. And we got down to the point where we were fooling around. He's like, I want to fuck you. And I was like, I would love that. Grab a condom. And he was like, I don't want to. And I said, no, I don't have sex without barrier protection. That's just, no, don't do that. Mm-hmm. And after half an hour of cajoling and pushing and continued play, my brain just shut down into the sort of like, well, uh, you know. Right. Yeah. And right. then he pushed that boundary. And it was interesting because for a month afterwards, I was like, I, well, I didn't kick him away. And I stopped right. saying uh, no. Mm. So I consented passively. No. And then a couple of months further in, I said, you know, I no, I didn't actually. Yeah. And um, when I started talking about that, that the number of people in the scene and outside of the scene, because mm-hmm. it's crossed over, who had said I've had the same thing happen was overwhelming. In yeah. fact, the vast majority of people said they had been involved in that situation versus people who said they had not. Mm. And that type of... The thing is that I found interesting is that I... You don't want to blame the victim and say, well, you should have stopped it. But by the same token, where does your responsibility lie? I know about myself. I'm not good at safe wording. I know that my brain gets overwhelmed. And when I play with tops and I think it's going to get that far, I will say, do not rely on me. I am not a good beacon for when you should stop. So if that's a problem for you and you don't want that responsibility, don't play with me. Because the yes and the no might very well be faulty. And... I think that's for myself why I come back to the concept of yeses as compared to the no's. Mm-hmm. Because if we only hand people our no list, there's a fault on the part of the person who is having things done to them mm-hmm. or the person who provided the list because it might be the top who provided the no list, right? Mm-hmm. Whoever was providing the no list, well, if your no list wasn't, in, wasn't, exclusive, wasn't inclusive enough. I, right. I remember being in a class that Midori was doing down in Melbourne, Australia on, um, on psychological terror and phobia play which was very hot, very sexy. And this one guy was like, okay, here is my list. And he'd, he was so proud of himself. He'd negotiate, he'd like written <laughs> down this like 15 point really thing with like breakdown points. It was like this two page document of all of his no's very clearly stated. And Midori read it out loud to the entire lit group and I went, okay, cool, cool. She's like, okay, so what can we still do? And I raised my hand and I'm like, well, according to his list, it would be okay for me to take his legal driver's license, blow it up 20 times, like, you know, blow it up to be like 20 foot by 10 foot, hang it from the side of, its, the side of a building and suspend him naked from it. And, they, mm-hmm. and the guy was like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> Who would do that? Well, well, <laughs> someone creative just thought that. <laughs> and it was, but it was that concept that like, well, you didn't say no. So what's the issue? Right. That's when you get to spirit of the law versus letter of the law. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And I can remember the, the whole story of the objectification room, you know, and I had to come up with this list of no's that they were going to hang over my head. But for people who weren't there, the objectification room yeah. was this uh, experience at an event that we were both at where 
parts of bodies were hanging out from, you know, behind a curtain. Right. And random voyeurs or people who were coming by could come by and interact with that body object with a spotter in the room to make sure that the list of yeses and nos above the list, above the body part were respected. Exactly. And that safer sex was used exactly. and, and things like that. So, right. We, d- we did have the, the little guards for us. But I had to come up with a list of no's. Mm. And I'm like, well, how do I know I've covered everything? I can't. So I ended up coming up with like two things and some yeses. Right. And the, the yeses ended up being what people were more comfortable with. Because they knew that was allowed mm-hmm. instead of what was just forbidden. Well, not just allowed, but desired. Yes. Yeah, yeah and that's a huge part, right? That's huge. As, as somebody who walks into that room and I look at somebody's list of yeses, mm-hmm. that's telling me, I, I have no clue who you are, but the reality is, yeah, you're an object, but the reality is, I want to see you squirm. <laughs> <laughs> and you told me, here's the things that'll make me squirm. I right. said, all oh, right, that's fantastic. You're giving me a roadmap to make you juicy. Yes. Or hard, right? So... You know, who wouldn't want that? The sociopathic sadists. And God bless them. <laughs> yes. Who will look for the loopholes, who will say, right. oh, you put on your, on your, on your uh, list, on your limits list, no animals. Can I dump a bucket of worms on your, <laughs> on your crotch? Can I take a, a bag of bees and, you know, put them on your head? No. You know, are they animals? No, they're insects. You know, it's like, come on, seriously. I, actually was, I was actually at a class once where, or demo kind of thing once, where a top said, all right, this bottom has negotiated ahead of time. The person's like in a hood and, this, you know, has been like staple gunned to a wall with seat belts. Ooh, and nice. actually it was electric nails. There was this ka-chunk, ka-chunk no. noise. No. Um, on the seat belt, not on their skin. Oh. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was just it, on the, just on the scrotum. Just, no, no, no. <laughs> No, he was pretty safe with the with the nail gun, with the electric nail gun. Anyway, um, and they announced in the middle of it, uh, the bottom has negotiated for no no animals of any sort to be used. So we are informing the bottom at this time that um, uh, dead mealworms that have been blended into a drink are instead just a uh, are a power supplement item and are protein. And since this individual is not a vegetarian or vegan, we do not perceive that this will be an issue. And they just said that. And then never introduced the power drink. In fact, the power drink didn't exist. <laughs> oh, my God. Right? But they just said mind those fuck. words. Yeah. And when it comes to mind fuck, suddenly we open up this entire realm around the notion of consent that's just like, okay, so I agreed to have my mind fucked with, but you're playing with a thing that I'm not cool with. Mm-hmm. So what now? Mm-hmm. Where's that line that today? totally blurred, mm-hmm. isn't it? Wow. <sighs> yeah, the other one that I've been playing around with that in that line is, is so there's the, the whole mindfuck one, but also what about the notion of time? Where I might have agreed to, we had that really hot scene in the spur of the moment, we did that one thing that was really, really hot, and mm-hmm. I was okay with it then. I even said yes then. Mm-hmm. But then in re- retrospect, three weeks later, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, ooh, that was not a good idea. I shouldn't have done that. Or that wasn't my sober mind speaking. Where is consent when we look at it along a timeline? I, my, my feeling is that, because uh, I've seen this happen where you have the buyer's remorse. Yeah. And I seriously <laughs> think that you have to take responsibility for it. If you did not say no at the time, I think it's fair to go back and say, you know what, I'm having a problem with this now. But I think to assign blame mm. or to take your own journey and your own experience and slam it on someone else and say, fix this because my shift, because I've had a shift around it. I think that I think that that's actually pretty risky, and I think that it puts all the parties involved in the scene in a very risky position. 
because what we're doing is 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 dangerous there is an, an aspect of danger to it emotionally physical psychological sexual for a lot of us that's part of the reason we do it is because the risk is fucking hot and so if things go south i my personal belief is if things go south and you turn around and you're lashing out looking for someone to blame except yourself you're putting yourself into a situation where um um i think you are uh being unfair mm-hmm. i think you're being unfair to the other person involved because they acted in good faith um, I think you're being unfair to yourself because mm-hmm. this is going to get kind of like earthy crunchy. But if you had an experience that was difficult and in retrospect shit came up for you, probably you have something to learn around it, not resist it and fight it and think I've got to kill this into a bad experience. Sit right. with the pain and say, this hurts now. Why does it hurt? What about this is, is, is a growth point for me versus saying you crossed a boundary and a line it's your fault and i'm gonna say everyone you're a bad top or you're a bad submissive or whatever it is you know but i think it's still okay to tell them even though i said yes then mm-hmm. i'm not okay with it now right so and inform you know, them. and inform them and be okay with it mm-hmm. being off the list or whatever for yeah, the future definitely for a while but i think that's the difference between facts and stories that mm-hmm. the fact is my opinion has changed mm-hmm. the story is you're a bad person uh, we don't yeah. know the story. Sure. Facts are useful. Pieces right. of information are useful, but the, the baggage we attach to them, I don't think always is, a, is good for that, that earthy, crunchy growth thing. No, and I'll tell you, in the situation where this person violated my boundary, I went back to him and I said, you know, this was really difficult for me because I said no to you explicitly at least three or four times, and you pushed anyway, and that made me feel violated, and it took mm-hmm. me a while to process it, but... What I need for you to understand is uh, that that was not okay. Mm-hmm. I need for you to acknowledge that. I would love for you to apologize for what you did because on a basic level, I should know when you cross the boundary. And I need for you to be tested and to get back to me with that information. And I will do the same for you. Mm-hmm. I think that's only fair. And his reaction was to do none of those things. His reaction was to become defensive and say, well, you know, I don't have anything and I don't usually do that and, you know, don't worry about it. Ooh. And to refuse to take responsibility and to become dismissive. And I felt at that point, I said, wow. I did what I felt was the most responsible and ethical thing, which was to tell him what had happened, right. explain my feelings, and I didn't come back at him screaming or freaking out and making accusations. I said, I need your help on this because this is really a terrible problem for me right now. Right. And uh, when the response I got back was defensive and dismissive, I said, okay, you know, I did the best that I could. Now I have to f- figure out a way to sleep with myself at night. Yeah. You know, and to take responsibility for the part of it that I could take responsibility for and to let go of the rest. And that's, it's an ongoing process, I'll say, you know. Um, but you're right, you absolutely have to let all parties involved know, mm-hmm. you know, and say this was a problem versus, you know, not saying anything. Squashing the emotion down into a tiny box <laughs> until it blows up somewhere else. Yes. <laughs> Landmine. <laughs> but I like tiny boxes, they're so cute. <laughs> The, the part that I know that for myself that I have to work on is because as a um, uh, somebody in the community does a little teaching, you know, you have expectations. And I think up until maybe a year or two ago, and that's just my perception, we were supposed to be consent um, banner carriers. Mm-hmm. I always say, no, consent's important, consent's important. Just say consent, 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 um, which is good. Mm-hmm. It's good to, to yeah. be aware of it. But my problem for Dan is I have to get better about the yes part. And um, the, the one thing that uh, I sat in a class with Grey Dancer just a few weeks ago, and he was saying about bring out the slut. 
And for mm-hmm. myself, I realized I don't bring out the slut anymore. I go to these events and I don't allow... I, I'm mm-hmm. so digging the no, no means no. Yes, oh, no, no, no. You know, <laughs> oh, you want to play with me? No. <laughs> you know? I, I don't. I've lost the, the yes part yeah. of it and allowing myself to say yes and to be comfortable saying, instead of starting off with this big list of um, here's the 10 things I never do. Here's the 10 things I won't do with you. To say, here's things I'd love to share with you. Mm-hmm. And if, if we go off in this direction, nah, we're going to have to think about this. If we go off this way, we have to think about this. But man, these are the things I'm digging. Why don't we explore these areas? But I've lost the intrinsic, the, the open-hearted approach mm-hmm. to that, right? Where, um, man, I like wearing my consent cloak, but... Consent man. <laughs> I was thinking some Harry Potter sort of Co- cloak of consent. <laughs> I cannot see him in the dungeon. He's consented too much to nothing. Six so, Mortius. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hardest <Arnus> Erectus. <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Geeking out. I, I'm done. <laughs> I, I, I think that's a I think that's a really excellent point, and I the notion of how do we, as individuals, embrace our yeses, and how do we start out without coming with our giant shopping lists of yeses and nos that are overwhelming in both directions? How do we introduce these and thing the ideas to people of like I want to do stuff with you? Hi, hi, Melina. Hi. Um, I think you're interesting. <laughs> I think you suck. Go away. No. As I roll, pl- okay. Take two. <laughs> Hi, Molina. Hi. I think you're interesting. Yay. Would Would you wanna maybe do some stuff sometime? Okay, like what? Um. Uh, yeah, that's about where I get. See. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'll tell you, uh, someone who I recently played with, who had been, who both of us had thought the other was cool for years. Yeah. And finally, finally, sort of like, hey, and exactly that. And we played and had a great scene. He goes, okay, before we get together, I said, I want you to tell me what you like. What do you want to do? And this has become an obsessive track in my head. Mm -hmm. Because I've been so long in my head about, like, providing service and everything I do is pretty much, what does the top want to do? What pleases them? And then I get off on that. But saying, what pleases me? And I'll tell you, what I have found has helped in that is making it very specific. Rather than negotiating a quote-unquote scene, I had a great time with this at, 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 um, at a, what was it that I went to? Twisted Trist. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine said, this guy over here, I'm pointing to this little rock and roll hippie dude. <laughs> this guy over here is a drummer in a band, and he will drum on your ass. And I'm like, really? He'll just drum on my ass. And he goes, yeah. Oh, <laughs> He'll take out his iPod, you put on some rock and roll, he drums on your ass. And I was like... I said yes, because mm-hmm. I had nothing to do. I was at this camp. I was in the woods. I was already disoriented and freaked out. I was like, okay, sure. You know, I will lay by this pool outside. But it was cool because it was on cement. It was cement. Oh, okay. nice. You know, and just let this person I didn't know. But the thing is that we didn't have to negotiate much because it was a one thing. Right. And I felt safe saying this is the yes. one thing you will do. Yeah. And that's it. And I was able to relax, knowing that the scene would not go any further than him with his assortment of drumsticks drumming on my ass. And we got the, we busted out the iPod and we're laying by the pool and people sort of sitting around and started. And I was like, okay, what's going to happen is drumming on my ass. And I relaxed. And it was epic. 
Mm-hmm. Holy crap! Because he was a really good drummer, actually, yeah. and nice. got really into it, and was you know that's its own sort of intensity and its sort of contact. And like forty five minutes later, the person who was supposed to get up next was like, <clears throat> <laughs> you know, I'd had like six or seven orgasms, and I'm like, wow, this is amazing, man, you know. And that's all we did, nice. and I felt safe because it was specific. And and I actually recommend that to people when they're negotiating and playing mm. with strangers at the convention. Don't just do a scene; pick one fucking thing, right? And stick that's, to it. That's because, great. That's because great. I had an instance where um, I got offered something. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm like, well, I have to go ask my husband, because we were in a swing club, and I have to go ask my husband, make sure it's okay. And um, I'm like, and this is, this is what we're going to do, right? This is what you're interested in doing. Right. He wanted to eat me, right. right? And I'm like, okay, well, this is, this is it. I'm, I'm good with this. Well, then we get in there, and, and he's done, and he's like, okay, my turn. I'm like, no. <laughs> Sorry, my turn. One thing. That's though, it. Though on the hot version of that, because that's kind of like the, the turn off version in some ways. Denied. I got to do that with a play partner of mine who, uh, you know, he really wanted to, to bottom to me, and I'm like, cool, come to my hotel room, we'll do right. some stuff, and you know, two we'll of us, do some stuff. We'll do some stuff. <laughs> Things will happen. And so there was two of us who were going to toad top this cute little boy. And he was in between my legs going, oh, sir, sir, can I please suck your cock? Can I please suck your cock? And I'm like, well, did we negotiate for that? He's like, no, but I'm bottoming to you and blah, blah, blah. And, that and I'm like, well, you don't have any dental dams in there, do you? He's like, well, no, but I'm okay with that. I trust you. And I'm like, that's a shame because uh, we didn't negotiate that. And I don't have unprotected oral sex with anyone mm-hmm. that I haven't, you know, negotiated everything hyper ahead of time, et cetera, et cetera. So, um... Shame you didn't ask for that ahead of time. <laughs> Isn't it, boy? <laughs> and he was like, ah, and I'm like, you're going to now kiss right here. And I point two inches from the, in, like, like, right up on my mons and on the top of my head. I'm like, now you're going to gnaw right there while he beats your ass. And he's like, but it's so close. And I'm like, I know. It's a shame that it's so close to that it's cock you want to suck. <laughs> Such a shame. Doesn't that make you want to negotiate more acutely for your desires? It's like, ah, I'm just, ah, no, no, you're not gonna like. You're saying you want to leave us? <laughs> you want to leave our presence? <laughs> Are you saying this isn't good enough for you? Like, no, no, sir. I thought it's yeah. <laughs> good times. Good times. <laughs> That's because you're just mean. Yes, I think that's a fair assessment. But it's all about the love. Uh, we, we need to move on, because I want to suck your cock at this point. I don't know what we're talking about. I know we haven't negotiated that. Oh, uh, you say the sweetest things. But the, the flip side to this, and, and I totally dig and I totally agree, and I love as a top. You know, I think it's incredibly sexy to say, we're going to make out, but the only parts of our body that we're allowed to, to make out, to be part of this, is parts that are not currently covered in clothes. So that arm... That you think you're gonna spend seven seconds on on your way to tits? No, that's you better work on that because that's the only part of this mm-hmm. toy. This, we're gonna focus on this area, right? That's very hot to say. Yeah. Let's make our play limited to a certain activity. The flip side is, and and I hate to say this because of all the icky stuff we talked about earlier and the abuse of consent and yeah. all that. If I was gonna play with uh, someone particularly spiritual, and I'll just I, I don't know how he plays or if he plays with other people, I'll pick Raven Caldera out yeah. of the air, right? I do know he's a very spiritual person, and if I wanted to play a raven, I said, I don't know what we should do. You let spirit guide you. I brought you this deerskin bag. I hope that you get something from it. And then I just abase myself? Man, where the fuck might he take me? Wouldn't that be something? And although, part, there's 
remember Mr. Consent Man is saying, oh my God, what if he did you up the ass? Madhuri says, maybe that's what spirit, maybe that's what I need right now. Can, <laughs> I, can I put enough of a, a little boundary? I mean, Raven's not gonna do anything that's- No, but are you consenting safe. to the experience versus the individual uh, right because mm -hmm. you did say yes you said take me on this journey mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, you did say yes yeah. you just didn't say yes to activities you said yes to a journey right mm -hmm. you know I, I think that that is a consent as well and it yeah. should be acknowledged but i think you need to explicitly take responsibility and say mm -hmm. i am aware happens, yeah. that this journey could be dark yeah. And I accept my part mm -hmm. in the responsibility and whatever my higher power is bringing me to. Yeah. And that, I feel, is, is actually spiritually ethical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I get yeah. chills. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that comes back to that notion of trust and responsibility. Where do those things play into consent? And I think it is part of this grand equation that somewhere out there, there's some sort of mythical you know, machine you can plug in all the different you know, information in and be told, what, yes, they have consented. No, they have not. And it's just like a little... Right. A little answer will pop out of the algorithm, and it'll all make Bing. sense. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's not quite so easy. No, no. You know, and and I and I, I love the idea of taking personal responsibility. I think it's very important, even when things go south. Yeah. You know, and that's first and foremost. You know. Absolutely. Especially when things go south, mm -hmm. I would say, because. If our ethical framework is something that is, is easy to do in the good times, but impossible to do in the hard times, right. then it's not an ethical framework. Right. Then it's an easy, you know, catch-all phrase that we can say and, you know, put up like our giant cloak of consent and say like, oh, I, you know, I'm safe, sane, and consensual. But when we get down to, you know, tire sit in the road, if you can't actually hold to that, is it really your ethical framework? Mm -hmm. mm. Not so much. Not so much. So for myself, I think at least how I work with that, and I'm curious about each of you, so to wrap up kind of the concept is, how do you develop your own ethical construct towards figuring out, is this consent, is this not? What is the tool you use to listen to that inner voice? And it's a light one. You got wow, one there? Wow, no. I'm very lucky in, in this regard in that I'm not particularly... From what I've seen of other people, my dick really doesn't have a voice in what mm. I get to do, right? Mm. And when I, perhaps when I was younger, my dick had a louder voice. But at this point in my life, and for the last many years, and this is a side effect of maybe it's a tantrika thing, I don't know. But my dick doesn't really, isn't really my ethical, it's not part of my ethical construction method, right? right? For males, this is a little more hairy. For, you know, in your example earlier, Molina, the dick took over for the person's normal ethical behavior, mm. right? Um, so I'm very fortunate that I don't have that so much. So that allows, it's really a matter of, oh gosh, English, right? Right. Fucking English. <laughs> but it's understanding the emotional impact of what you're doing. This, yes. For me, it comes out of um, practicing fucking up. You know, you think you're engaged in some kind of cool sort of, deep sensual play and you find out you leave somebody not feeling good afterwards and you build your framework and yeah i think that my consent ethical boundaries have that maybe a lot in mind to say look my fun is not worth fucking you up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if i have to avoid having fun because i think i might be fucking you up i'm going to avoid some fun but it's, it's very i'm not in a good state with that Mm. You know, because uh, 
maybe padded too much. Yeah. So I think that's where do no I'm harm, at. right? It's it's do no harm and err on the side of caution is where I currently sit in the consent framework. Where you currently discussion. sit today? Yes. Yeah. So and look, it, it does get a little difficult to think about because I do err on the side of caution very much and, and padded. I guess I am very padded as well. You know, I've got the whole abusive background as well. So I'm very deep into the consent part and very much not wanting to push people past their boundaries and what they're comfortable with and what may hurt them. And, and like I said, when I co-top or whatever, not allowing them to change their mind in midstream, something they may regret later. You know, I just want it all to be positive stuff. But in the meantime, I've got my defense mechanisms heavily in place so that I'm responsible for protecting me. You know, I can rely on Dan to protect me, but I also have to rely on me to protect mm-hmm. me. And it's actually very much a balancing act. It gets a little difficult sometimes. And I don't know if that really answers your question, but uh, very much err on the, on the work on the side of caution. Mm. Can you restate the question? It's what, morphed a bit from my head. What tools do you use to discern whether this thing is, in, in fact, consensual or not? was the original question. Hmm. Um, you know, I will say that, and this probably makes sense as to, as to why the question more for me, because uh, <laughs> I am in a phase in my life of letting go of a lot of expectation, mm. and I'm in a place of, uh, of really giving up the illusion that I have control over things in my life, and I know that everyone has a different approach to whether or not they think it's fate or personal choice, or if you chose this path in the eons before this, this lifetime, you yes. know, and you are responsible for everything that happens because you chose it, you know, and I have many friends like that. My particular thing is, my, my belief system is, I'm given obstacles that specifically are designed to, 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 to be troubling. Mm-hmm. And it is my job to take these troubling things that happen and absorb them and learn from them and not destroy myself over them because I am my worst enemy. Uh, when it comes to that. So part of what my control mechanism around being alert to things when they slide out of my control or when they no longer feel consensual is to say, why is that happening? How much of this is my responsibility? What responsibility can I take? And what can I do to get out of this situation safely and and with as much of me intact as possible? Mm. And if things do go awry, to forgive myself first because I am a horrible, horrible abuser of my own self. And so the first thing I have to say is, you know what? You did nothing to deserve unhappiness. And actually what you deserve is bounty and beautiful gifts. And this horrible experience is a beautiful gift. So look there and see where that is. And what's remarkable about it is although it's very difficult and the process is sometimes literally gut-wrenchingly, nauseatingly painful, on the far side of it, and when I get through it, I really see that even the very difficult experiences have their own beauty whether or not it's like a twisted, horrible, scary beauty, like the edge of a cliff beauty, or a little flower growing in a forest beauty, you know, or a little kitten playing on a pillow kind of beauty, or, you know, a monster about to rip you open, and this is your last second on earth beauty. Yeah. You know, and all of those things are part of that. So I kind of am becoming less dependent on my own signals because I know the body and the mind and the spirit don't always work together in my case. They fight a lot. You know, and so when I'm able to relinquish that fear and say, I don't know if this is right, I'm not sure, but I'm going to live it fully 
and we'll figure it out later. Does that make any sense? I think it does. And I think two of the lines that you just uh, finished up with there, I think were pieces that people can go home with. Word. Which are, uh, we deserve beauty. That we live in a life that is full of beauty and potential, even in the hardest of shadowy places and mm-hmm. shadowy of times. Even in the hardest of questions, there is that beauty shining there like a gem. And the other one that you said was the notion of being on the journey. And that's my hope, is that people listening at home mm-hmm. will ask themselves these, unqu- these questions, weigh out and sift through this thing called consent, called sex, called love, called joy, called being, and see where it goes from here. So with that, uh, for people who, I want to say thank you to the people who joined me today. Molina can be found on her blog at molina.com, M-O-L-L-E-N-A. Thank you for spelling it. Yes. (laughs) Because otherwise people are going to be like... M-E-L-I-N-A. Like, oh my God, like, it's like Melina. (laughs) Is that like Semolina? Are you a flower? Are you a brown flower? I'm either that or people will get the song too when they look up Melina. And I'm like, no, the song is about me. I was not named after the song. (laughs) It's true. It's true. So Molina.com. And you can find Dan and Dawn came and joined me today. Thank you so much for having, being on my podcast, on your (laughs) podcast, in our podcast. (laughs) How's that? Um, At eroticawakening.com. And, or is it erotic awakenings? I always get the no, your, no way. singular. I was correct the first time. One awakening. Yay. Yay! The singular erotic awakening of you our truth. You have the awakening, and then you're awake erotically. Fantastic. <laughs> Unless you take an erotic nap, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Eroticnappings.com be all the rage. So you can find them in their work at Erotic Awakening. And for folks who are interested in getting a hold of me, you can find my information at passion and soul.com that's p-a-s-s-i-o-n-a-n-d-s-o-u-l.com and find me under passion and soul pretty much anywhere on the internet fetlife facebook twitter audio boo it all finds me it google, all finds me or google plus uh, probably google plus as well i'm uh, yes yeah, probably you on google plus yet? not uh Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll I'll send you an invite I've gotten about 22 I think at this point come on be an early adopter stop trying to be cool by being an old called writing a book (laughs) oh some of us have also been writing a book and are on Google Plus thank you I see how you are (laughs) I see how you are that's chapter 5 coming bitch (laughs) (laughs) are you on Google Plus oh oh slacker I am. I'm a slacker. It's true. I even got a slacker ribbon at Dark Odyssey Fusion because I was such a slacker by being there five days before the event showed up to get it running. So (laughs) with that, thank you for joining us here at Erotic Awakening and have a fantastic journey. Stay cool, have fun, and don't do anything that I wouldn't do, which luckily isn't much. Take care.